You're listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. This is at episode 62. And we have a special guest today. We are with um, Steph. Good. We just went over this. <laughs> Goodrow. <laughs> Goodrow. Literally, we like just talked about this and then I choked. Um, <laughs> stupid, easy paleo. Yeah. So hi, Steph. Welcome. Hey, ladies. How are you doing? Really good. Great. Thank you so much good. for coming on today. Everyone's very excited to, that we're chatting with you and we're excited oh, to be chatting cool. with you. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with your background. You have quite an interesting background. You You've were a been teacher. Like all You've been all over the place. Over the place. <laughs> yeah, I was a, a high school chemistry and biology teacher for 12 years. Um, for and then what grade? earlier, 10, 11, and 12 all in the same classroom, typically. Oh my what? gosh. Yeah. So like one from, room schoolroom style. Yeah. 15 to 18, you know, they Jeez. just, we would get like the really advanced sophomores and then all the way up to seniors who were taking it for the first time or in some cases the second time trying to graduate (laughs) with that credit. So, I mean, you can imagine the developmental differences between 15 and 18 year olds. Oh yeah. It was pretty crazy. But, uh, but yeah, so I taught high school for 12 years and actually took a leave of absence from my job last school year and, uh, decided I would try to see if I could make stupid easy paleo into a business, into something that was basically a career. And so I asked for a leave of absence from my job, which was kind of scary. Yeah. Um, and they said, it. they said, okay. So I started immediately really pouring myself into stupid easy paleo because I had had all these ideas. And I mean, I don't know if you ladies have the same experience, but when you've got this thing you do on the side and it's really your passion and it's what you love to do, it's hard to find the time to really see it to like the vision that you have because you're so busy. Yeah. Um, right. With everything else that you do training and work and and everything. So exactly. Yeah. So I decided to throw myself into it full time and see what would happen. And, uh, of course then the whole year went by really fast. Um, (laughs) I did some other, I moved to Scotland for four months to be with my now husband. He's here, um, in the States now. And, you know, did some seminar stuff and wrote an ebook and started work on my print book and so many crazy things happened. And then June rolled around really fast. And my school district was asking me, are you going to come back? Because yeah. <laughs> you, you only have a year, you know, you had a year leave of absence. And so I wrote the letter and said, you know, I have had a great experience teaching and I really, you know, I miss the students and, and teaching is really central to who I am. But now what I do is teach kind of on a larger scale through the site. So yep. I submitted my resignation, which was probably the scariest, wow. the single scariest thing I have ever done in my life. And Ugh. it took, it took a lot of people. It, it kind of took a village to get me to that point. <laughs> right? Like I can imagine oh. what was going through your head in that moment. Well, especially being a science teacher and I'm dual credentialed. So I have credential in two subjects. It's, our jobs, science teachers in California, we'd always been kind of protected, even when, you know, 2009, 2010 rolled around and the economy really tanked and a lot of teachers got pink slipped or laid off. Like science teachers were by and large protected from a lot of that. And so I, you know, no job is hundred percent secure, but I, I walked away from this really secure job. I mean, some people spend their entire lifetime of, of their you know, their career in one district or, you know, they've been a teacher for 35 years. And I'm like, I'm walking away from this potentially really secure, you know, career and throwing myself into basically being an entrepreneur. And (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, you kind of have to, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, that's just kind of a scary thing. Like, you know, and I, I can imagine there will probably be just from like thinking about what I will be going through my mind if I did that, a lot of like kind of guilt about like, am I setting myself up for, you know, some like being unstable and this mm-hmm. is crazy and like, do I, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I recently quit my job and went back to grad school and I, and I oh, nice. but I quit my job before I found out that I got into grad school. Mm-hmm. So actually what it was, I was quitting my job to coach CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this is the least adult decision I've ever made. <laughs> like, But I think those are the best decisions. Yes, totally. The ones that feel like the least adult decisions. <laughs> yeah. The, the hard part is that, you know, when you're kind of taking that leap of faith, a lot of times I always say like, there's no safety net. And until you jump, the, the net's not there. Totally. So, you know, when you, when you make the de- commitment, you make the decision, you figure things out really fast and, <laughs> and usually, usually things work out. Okay. I mean, it's, it's not to say there aren't, there aren't going to be hard times and, and failures and decisions that you have to make that are really hard, but you know, it, it's sometimes like you, you can't bank on that security because you haven't freed yourself up to actually create the, yeah. you know, what it is you want to do. And, and when you have that freedom, then things start to kind of fall into place so taking this step is really the hardest part. And I, I had, like I said, a few people in my life who are really instrumental in basically pushing me over the edge and saying like, yeah. you know, what do you have to lose? And yeah. I can always, I can always go back to teaching. I mean, I'm in, That's good, really true. I'm in good standing. I left on good terms. Um, I, I made sure I was really nice in my nation letter <laughs> and all this yeah. stuff. And so I could, I could always go back and it's not it's not like it's gone forever. So yeah, but I, and I see all of your posts on Instagram and I think we all kind of have the same mindset of really following your passion and taking those risks and taking those leaps. And, um, I think people really connect with that. So what advice would you give to people who are maybe, I don't know, having second thoughts or afraid to do it? Um, probably the best piece of advice I got was to sit down and really, really think about what's the worst that could happen and to, to kind of go into it with a plan B, like a backup. So, you know, I don't really recommend if you're feeling restless in your job or you're just like, I hate doing this. I don't really recommend just walking into your boss and saying, yeah, screw you. I quit (laughs) Um, without having, without having a plan there, without preparing and without really kind of having a structure like that you can go into. Um, and that's not to say that doesn't work sometimes, but that oftentimes causes, I think more anxiety than it's worth and more stress than it's worth. So if you're kind of feeling like you want to do something else and you've got this passion on the side or whatever it is that you really are dreaming about doing is to start taking even just tiny, just take a step toward that today and and just kind of keep doing that. Um, whether it's like, Hey, I want to get into nutrition coaching. Well, sit down today and go online and see what kind of, you know, courses or programs are offered either in your area or online that you could do, like just start taking those steps. Um, and, and really that's the best thing you can do. Sometimes you have this big vision for yourself, but it's so huge and so lofty. And you're like, man, how am I going to get there from here? And it's like, you just have to take a step and just continue doing that. And, I mean, I think you probably know is the key to being successful is really consistency, 
um, and, and putting in the work. It's not like a magical thing um, where it just happens. So you just have to be consistent and always continue to take those small steps forward. Totally. Yeah, and we talk about great. anxiety a lot. Like both Joey and I have had, you know, have anxiety issues and a lot of our listeners are, you know, could always write in. Just, like, a, little, I I just a little anxious. anxious. Just a little yeah. Anxious. <laughs> and, um, one of the things that I love is that is, I don't know where this quote came from, but it basically says that anxiety is, um, caused by you overestimating how hard things will be and underestimating your ability to cope with them. Absolutely. And so I think that's kind of exactly what you just said, which is like, you know, you don't, you're, you don't know how well or like how resourceful you can be until you have to be that resourceful. And, but like, how will you find out? And I think that that is parallels a lot, like with what people experience when they start CrossFit, which is that like, they don't know how hard they can work until they have to work that hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm reading a book right now called anti-fragile, which is kind of a similar concept to that. It's like when we're not really pushed to stretch our limits. Like let's say you decide to become an entrepreneur and quit your day job and whatnot. Like if you're not ever pushed to see what's possible and what you can create and what you're capable of, you're not, it's going to seem completely impossible to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when you have to, when you have to step up to the plate is when, is when the magic really happens. And I think that's true of anything, not just work, but like you said, the gym or, you know, whatever it is that you want to, that you want to do is, if you're never really challenged, you're not going to see what you're made of. Totally. Yeah. So what do you think has been the scariest moment you've had? Besides re- your resignation Besides letter. Besides your resignation letter. <laughs> oh, wow. Since taking the leap. Yeah, since oh, taking wow. the leap. Um, probably, oh, wow. There's been so many. <laughs> it's hard to pick the scariest. I would say, um, so the, the print book that I just wrote that's currently in production I was on, we were scheduled to have a photographer do all the photos for my book Mm -hmm. and through the publisher. And that didn't quite work out. So I basically sucked it up and went to my publisher and said, Hey, I want to take these pictures. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Which my, you know, my photography has been getting good. I've been practicing at it for for the past year or so, but still I'm like, you know, it's not like on a blog where you can just take the photo down if it sucks later on. Like that's, <laughs> it's in a book forever. And, you know, out like in the world. Yeah. yeah, it's out in the wild sitting on <laughs> shelves. And, um, and so I kind of just, you know, I was like, hey, I'd like to do this. And I, initially, when I signed the contract to write the book, we talked about it. And, and we kind of decided it, it wasn't the right thing to do and to go with somebody else who is a you know, professional. Um, <laughs> so I, I looked at my husband and I said, you know, I want to take these pictures and he's like, all right, let's, you know, let's make it happen. Figure and it so, yeah, we basically went into overdrive. Um, you know, I had to go shopping for props and make, you know, photography backgrounds to actually put stuff on and make it look nice. And, um, I bought a new camera and like all <laughs> this crazy stuff. And I shot the pictures over about a month and, you know, now they've offered for me to, to be a freelancer for them. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely crazy. And like you said, it's one of those things where you just have to, you just have to step up. Like once you make that commitment, <laughs> there's no other choice. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. So that was probably the scariest, but you know, I've had some other moments that were a little bit trying for me, but <laughs> well, and then also I saw, I mean, you know, we saw on Instagram that your husband just, um, 
got his green card of it yeah from scotland yeah. so that's also has had to have been like a huge yeah thing going oh, on yeah. in your life yeah per- my personal life <laughs> i'm just being a professional but um but yeah we've basically for the last two years um we've we met in person two years ago september and you know we had been we had, we had known each other from twitter so we met each other on twitter everybody always asks us how how we met from halfway, awesome. halfway around the world um Basically, I had been doing CrossFit endurance training when I was racing bikes, and he was doing the same when he was running um, trail runs and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so we kind of connected through that. I, I wrote a race report, and uh, it got it got tweeted by Brian McKenzie, and uh, Z was reading it, and so he started following me. And so we kind of followed each other, and we were both in relationships, and you know, those both ended and, um, we started talking more and more. And, uh, so anyway, we, we met two years ago. <laughs> so you like totally had a, t- a Twitter crush, Twitter crush. He, yeah. And it's funny. He, his friend is a photographer, so he takes lots of pictures. He was taking lots of pictures of Z and, and everybody, you know, in Scotland and that they were friends with. And he put them all on Flickr and he's like, I've noticed that these pictures of you have been getting a lot of views. It's kind of, you know, kind of stalking insta stalking him i guess from the <laughs> world but no, not at all yeah but then about uh well it was last june when he came to visit in san diego and we kind of did the back and forth and i would go visit and he would come visit and we were like let's just do this and wow. not have to be apart and so we applied for his visa to get him here last august and just now the whole green card got approved so yeah, it's a long, you know, it's one of those things, it's just a long process and you have to, I mean, we just kind of tried to forget about it when we were waiting yeah. and then we'd get a letter and the next step and the next step and yeah, it's tough. It's just a lot of paperwork and yeah. a lot of waiting and that's awesome though. Yeah. So he's here now. Yay. <laughs> Yay. We're super so, so Steph, I want to ask you a little bit about, um, going back a little bit farther. Uh, you said you were just on your bio and what I've read about you have you kind of had an unhealthy child, not childhood, but would you say you were like, I don't know, unhealthy in her teen years and, and what inspired you, I guess, to kind of make that transition to going paleo. And then I think you said after paleo came CrossFit. Yeah. So, I mean, I've always been an athletic person and as a kid, I was always in sports and running around and, you know, played soccer and all the stuff that I did kind of kept me at a somewhat normal weight, but I've, I've always been just to like had a bigger frame or like more muscular and, you know, like compared to my siblings, I wasn't the skinny kid and that stuff was always really tough for me growing up. I got teased a lot for being just not super skinny. I don't think I was, I mean, I wasn't an obese child either, but I definitely wasn't skinny. Right. And so that, you know kids can be mean. And that stuff really stuck with me throughout growing up. And, you know, we didn't eat particularly healthy. I, you know, we, I love sweets and junk food and stuff like that. <laughs> um, super What's sweet. not food. to love. I know. Um, and so then when I was in high school, I ended up getting a job at the kind of my last year in high school. And so I stopped exercising and I gained a lot of weight. And then my freshman year of college, I kind of thought enough is enough. I'm joining a gym And so I kind of, that's what really kicked off my interest in fitness and well, I mean, I'd always always been athletic, but really being mindful about fitness and what I was eating, but I, you know, it's hard. So that's probably when I was 20, I'm 35. So think back 15 years and what, 
anybody knew about, you know, really right. what's, what's a healthy way to eat. And so I did a lot of things. I mean, did Weight Watchers. I was a vegetarian. I was always just trying to get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier and always, of course, had a really hard time doing it and would exercise more and more. Um, and then I found mountain biking and I was into kind of endurance mountain biking. And because of that, I lost a lot of muscle mass and I really wasn't very strong. Um, and then in 2010, I found, uh, 2009, my friend introduced me to the book paleo diet for athletes by mm -hmm. Cordain and Friel. And she's like, we're doing this paleo thing. It was a friend of mine who was racing bikes with, kind of with me. And I was like, all right, I'll try anything. <laughs> so, you know, and I kind of always had these lingering things like my blood sugar was really whacked out all the time. I would definitely get hangry and tired. <laughs> yeah, hangry and tired. And I had like lots of weird acne, you know, and this is as an adult, just weird stuff, um, digest, digestive issues. And so I was like, you know what, I'll try anything. And so I tried it starting in 2010. And after a couple months, I was like, this is pretty awesome. I feel really good. And a lot of this stuff that I had been dealing with just went away. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I was doing paleo for probably about six or eight months. And then I started doing CrossFit. Just a friend of mine was like, Hey, you want to try a CrossFit workout? And I did. And I was like, Hey, this is pretty awesome. So I was, I was doing it kind of to supplement my bike racing. Cause I was still racing mountain bikes at the time. But when I started, I mean, I was really pretty, my muscles were really atrophied. I wasn't very strong. Um, I couldn't even jump on like a 12 or 16 inch box, you oh, know, wow. even though yeah. you were biking, that's really surprising. That is surprising. Yeah. I yeah. Guess you like, think of like bikers having, but I guess you don't have to be explosive at all in biking. No, I mean, mountain biking a little bit cause you have to, you have to be able to accelerate and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. uh, really, I mean, I had a super developed anterior chain. My posterior chain was really weak. Um, and so throughout kind of this paleo and CrossFit thing, um, I started to really gravitate more toward the CrossFitting side. And eventually, um, I stopped biking. I had a lot of I had back problems and stuff like that from just the, the position I was sitting on the bike. And mm -hmm. I was really just kind of burnt out. I raced bikes for eight or 10 years and was doing long races, like six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, you know, I'm kind of done with that for now. And so I decided to transition away from it. But, um, then I started doing CrossFit kind of like as my main exercise and and then I became competitive in that and was doing that for a while. And now I just Olympic lift. That's it. Wow. You just Olympic lift and, and your is the American open in October or has that passed? The American open is in December, December, but okay. you have to qualify by October, right? And you've qualified, right? Yeah. You had to qualify by October, but then they just changed the ruling a little bit. So yeah. USA, yeah. USAW kind of was like, oh my gosh, we have so many people that qualified for nationals and actually showed up to lift. And I think they were trying to limit the field a bit and they changed the qualifying, uh, totals a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I did qualify and yeah, so I qualified. <laughs> did you, do you qualify under the new totals the as new, well? Well, the new, the new totals don't stand for the American open. They're only the new total is actually for next year. Oh, okay. So if you had, I mean, I guess that makes sense. That would kind of suck if you had like already qualified and then they're like, never mind. Like, yeah. Got to do it again. Well, initially they said they would only take 300 qualifiers. So, you know, in effect, if you were, if you're, if you just made the qualifying qualifying 
39 total or barely, it would be unlikely that you would get an invite. But I think then they went back again and they readjusted the total field to like 400 lifters. Got it. So yeah, it's a little bit confusing. Um, <laughs> but you're still going. But you're still going. I don't know if I'm going to go. Um, we, my coach and I are going to talk about it this week, actually. Okay. Wow. So yeah, um, I kind of have my sights on, on masters for next year. Cause I'm a masters lifter 35. So I think like masters nationals, I've made the qualifying total for that very easily. And obviously I'd have to lift next year and make that total again to go to the meet. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I would love to go to masters worlds or something. That would That'd be, be cool. awesome. Yeah. Um, nationals in my weight class, the qualifying total went up, I think, 12 kilos. Oh, so, wow. So that's not nothing. Yeah, it's a, it's a significant jump. I mean, mm-hmm. so we'll, well see. And especially if you're, like, right on the edge. I yeah, like... I, qualifi- I qualified for American Open by one kilo, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it, it wasn't really my goal to, to qualify. I It was my first meet in three years, and, you know, it was my first competition in over a year. And, and so I just went out to kind of have fun and see what happened, and I ended up qualifying. <laughs> Well, you know, just you a know, quick little qualifying. No big deal. <laughs> NBD. NBD. But yeah. I mean, you know, it's probably all in the singlet, as we all know. Yep. Man, I mean, I'm not, I am definitely used to wearing Lycra because obviously it's <laughs> the spikes, but man, that singlet is a completely different beast. It's not I feel like if I were to start competitively lifting, I would spend so much time like trying to find the perfect singlet. It would be yeah. like a whole other, yeah, a whole other process in and of itself. It'd be like, <laughs> forget training. I need to go focus on finding a singlet. We've got some pretty, uh, we've got some pretty interesting ones now. I've, I've seen them with like a pug on it. Yeah, I've seen that one. It's so creepy. And, it is kind of creepy. Yeah. The like giant <laughs> like, man pug. The one that makes you look like you're naked or something. Yeah. yeah or like, like the one that has like your muscles. <laughs> the anatomy. Makes yeah. it look like you don't have any skin. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Cool. I don't know about that. No. All right. Okay. Well, Steph, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about food. Let's get to food. Um, right. And your new book, or is it the newest book is Paleo Athlete. Now, is that different from the book you were referring to earlier? Yes. So the, the Paleo Athlete is my ebook. Yes. And that's kind of a general like, all right let's talk about how you can be paleo and still be a performance minded person. Because I think there's a really big divide in the paleo community. It's like, you can't be paleo and be an athlete or be performance driven. Um, and people who really want to do that sort of thing and like, you know, fuel themselves with the best quality food and like stay pretty natural with it. So I think they're like, and obviously paleo diet for athletes is out there, but there wasn't a lot for people who are say not endurance athletes. You know, you're a CrossFitter, you do high intensity stuff, you're a sprinter, you do mixed martial arts, you're a like who doesn't, who there wasn't also really isn't anything out there, wasn't really anything out there for someone who didn't want to sit down and read like this tome (laughs) of scientific information, like maybe only a quarter of which is really relevant for what you need to know. Yeah. So that was really I've tried to read that book and it's, it's (laughs) like, it's tough to get through. (laughs) Not yours, the one, the Lauren Corday one. Yeah. And I mean, I respect those guys and I think they came out several years back and really open the discussion for people. But totally. I, you know, my, what, like just from the community that I was in, you know, CrossFit, I still train in a CrossFit gym. Um, I went to regionals on a team last year. Like I get the community and I'm like, I don't really see anyone who's really addressing it in a kind of an ebook fashion or a book fashion. So that was really my intent with that. The new book that's currently in production is called the performance paleo cookbook. 
So it's more or less just recipes because, okay. yeah, and I, I had some recipes in the paleo athlete. There were about 30, but people were kind of like, you know, tell me more. I want to know what to eat pre-workout and post-workout and, you know, give me some more ideas for carbs. And so that was really the inspiration behind the book that's in production right now. And, and this is going to be an actual print book that you can hold in your hands. It will be in a, a electronic form as well mm-hmm. um, for Kindle and Nook and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of people have asked me to put the paleo athlete in print and no one really, you know, to do it on your own is a huge, 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 huge project. Like yeah. to just put it in print and distribute it. And so right, you don't just like print it out off the printer. Yeah. So for right now, I've kept that one in electronic form only. And, uh, but people, you know, I get it. I'm not a big fan of eBooks personally. I like to hold a book and flip through it and, and snuggle it. with it. And yeah. it. <laughs> it's just a different, I think it's a different experience. It is. I, yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. And so I think for, I think it's great that I was picked up to do this in, in print form because a lot of people have been asking for a print book. And so that book is going to be out in uh, early January, like January 6th. Nice. So it's 100 recipes, um, 90 full-color photos, which I took. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, so 100, 100 recipes, 90 photos. So it'll be, you know, really colorful and illustrated. And, I mean, that's – to me, that's really important because we get excited to eat something – kind of by how it looks. I mean, obviously reading the ingredients and stuff is important, but that's really the initial draw. Um, And I have a couple of paleo cookbooks. Like I'm trying to think which one comes. Oh, the primal blueprint, quick and easy cookbook. And only like maybe a quarter of the recipes have pictures. Yeah. And you're flipping through it and you're like, I mean, this sounds good, but I just, it doesn't like catch your, pique your interest as well, easily. Steph being the teacher with your history, totally. teaching history, you're like, I'm going to cater to the visual learners. <laughs> that would be me. Well, and yeah, and I'm totally a visual person. So I kind of, as I was writing the book and like really planning it out, I kind of would envision it in my head. Like, how would I want this to look? Um, and then I've also got, I kind of included some other stuff, like seven different fueling plans like let's say like how are you going to eat if you're uh, an early morning exerciser and you like to train fasted oh that's um, awesome how are you gonna you know like how how can you structure your day like if you train after work but before dinner or you know after work after dinner so I've kind of structured that because I get a lot of questions like how do yeah. I when do I eat and what do I do that's like, a we, really we good get question. questions like that when yeah. we are yeah. even paleo people really yeah that's a really yeah. good question yeah. And then uh, 50 different – so then I went in and I don't – a lot of people ask for meal plans and I find meal planning really tough because I don't like to tell people when to eat what. But mm-hmm. I know a lot of people like to get ideas. So what I did instead of a meal plan was I grouped – I pulled together uh, 50 different combinations of recipes like from the book or let's say like a main protein and then it would say something like roasted broccoli and then a sauce from the book. Mm -hmm. And so 50 different meal ideas to really just get people thinking about how they can use the book as, as a resource to construct meals. Nice. Um, And I think that's really helpful. So people can kind of put stuff together. Yeah, totally. And that's kind of like one of the hardest things that I, I realized that I end up eating the same thing week to week just because like literally for no other reason than that I don't have the time to like figure out how to make my make a different shopping list work 
it's like you go and you always buy the same thing. Yeah. It's like, well, I know how, I know how to put these together generally. Yeah. It's like I'm gonna have potatoes and broccoli and chicken again. Yeah, yeah, and I think and I think that's great. And people kind of find their favorites and what works for them. And you develop this construct in your mind of how you can get through your food needs through the week really fast and without having to actually put a lot of effort into thinking about it. But right. yeah, that gets boring after a while. Totally. Yeah. And I think that that then leads to me being like, well, I don't want chicken and broccoli and pizza or, and chicken, or, you know, potatoes again. So I'm going to go get pizza yeah. as opposed to like, or I could just branch out and try to get new groceries. Nope. Which you <laughs> That's too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steph, I have a quick question too. I didn't ask you yet how you got into food, where your food history comes from. Oh, I've always liked to cook. Um, and my grandmother, I used to cook with her all the time. I am and she would, we would make Polish food and pies and all this stuff. And a lot of inspiration, like a lot of my love of food comes from her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always just been interested in cooking. I've always liked to cook, even when I wasn't paleo, I'd always just like to put stuff together. And, you know, I think a lot of it is, especially I understand because I was a biology major and, you know, I taught biology and science and I'm super into nutrition. Like I always just kind of gravitated toward that. So when I started to eat paleo and really, you know, train and I kind of understood why food's important to that, it all just kind of clicked. So, I mean, I don't have any formal instruction in cooking or anything, but (laughs) it really, for me, it just comes from a place of, I just love to do it. Um, yeah, you know, the, the stars aligned with all of your background. Yeah, it really did. And and so that's kind of where, you know, oh, self-taught. I lost, watch a lot of Food Network. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of chops, a lot of Iron Chef. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like, I like my food to just be simple and approachable and nutritious. And, you know, it's just kind of like how I cook for myself. I don't mm-hmm. really do a lot of crazy stuff. And I always am in awe of people who, you know, cook these really elegant meals and things that are, you just use really interesting techniques. But I think for the most part, people want stuff that's just easy. They can do it without having to put a lot of thought into it and just, you know, make something that they can come back to. Like you said, you know, it, it kind of goes into your normal rotation and you like it. And something that is stupid easy, maybe you could yeah. say. <laughs> Well, there you go. There you go. That's so that's funny. yeah, that's really where my my love of food kind of came from. I mean, it just was a natural thing, and it's always been something that um, that I like to do. And now that I can get get paid for doing it is <laughs> is an extra bonus. But I just think it's so awesome. Um, I was actually back at my mom's last week on the East Coast, and I kind of ra- went into her basement, and I was raiding her dishes and stuff and a lot of stuff from my grandmother because I was kind of you know I was thinking oh I know she's got that bowl and or whatever and for (laughs) food for props for photography so that brought back so many memories for me of just of cooking with my grandma and I was like man you know who would have known that you know this many years later it's it's part of what I do and kind of part of my job now and my career and what I like to do that's awesome yeah that's amazing (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And uh, we have some listener questions, too. Do you mind answering? Oh, sure. Um, you want to read one, Claire? Are you, are you coffee? Uh, are you coffee, Cofferson? I'm trying not to be coffee, but Cofferson. <laughs> I love that. Like, I was talking to Jess at the gym, and she's like, yeah, I heard your cough. I was like, yeah, that was from two weeks ago. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> You're coughing. Cool. This is not um, going anywhere. Um, okay, so Caitlin says, first of all, she says, ah, 
I love her. I don't know that that's the tone that she said it in, but let's just pretend. I mean, she has two exclamation points. Okay. So, you know, not messing around. She says, I read her book, The Paleo Athlete, and I still feel really confused and frustrated on how I should be eating. I feel like every time I do research on how to eat to perform in the gym, I get such contradicting advice from everyone. How do we sort through all the advice out there and find what works the best? This is coming from, and then she says in parentheses, this is coming from a girl who wants to get stronger and does daily wads plus extra lifting around my workouts. So she's a CrossFitter. Uh, yeah. 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 So that's really kind of, I always try to get people to give me as much background information as possible. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of confusion, as she mentioned, you know, you hear lots of differing opinions and I'm going to be honest, there is not one correct answer. Totally. Um, you know, we were talking, um, John Wellborn and my husband and I were eating lunch the other day and we were talking about, you know, these like guys that do figure competitions, like Mr. Olympia, like you want to be Mr. Olympia, you're going to get on the stage, you're going to pose down. And if you, you know, you look at these guys and you're like, they all kind of look the same, but did they all do the same? <laughs> did they all do exactly the same training to get stage ready? Right. Probably, to look probably like not. awesome Mr. Olympia. Talk about needing to lose to shop for speedo. Anyway, that's a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, I guess the analogy would be, there's no like one correct way to do any of this. And that's the frustrating part. A lot of people just want to be able to open a book and say, okay, you know, joy, you're going to eat exactly this way for you. And they want it to just be very clear cut. And I mean, the answer is it's just not. So I would say like, for what was her name again? I'm sorry. Caitlin. That's okay. Caitlin. For Caitlin. So for Caitlin, like if her goal is to get stronger, it's first of all, it's really important to know what your primary goal is. Totally. Right. Like, and we kind of divide it into three, um, kind of main arms. So for, and, and I say we, um, when I do the whole athlete seminar with Dallas Hartwig, we kind of go over this, but you want your goal, is your goal primary, primarily aesthetic? Like, do you want to be a bikini competitor? Mm-hmm. Is your goal primarily performance? Like you're really into being, you know, a CrossFit competitor, or you really just want to get stronger or is your goal just kind of all around health? Like you just want to be like, just kind of awesome in life. You know, you want to be healthy. <laughs> I, I call it healthy, happy, and harder to kill. So, <laughs> so you want to be healthy, happy, and harder to kill. And, and I think it's really important to know where your motivation is coming from because that by and large is going to like push you in one direction or another with how you're going to eat. So for example, if you're super focused on being an aesthetic driven competitor, like you're going to be IFBB or you're going to do something like that, then obviously you're going to eat more for aesthetics. So you're probably going to eat a little bit on the lower fat side, you're going to eat very high protein and, you know, moderate amount of carbohydrate. If you're a performance based athlete, you know, and again, this kind of varies, but like, obviously protein is really important. You need to make sure that's there. If you're doing CrossFit, a lot of, you know, um, glycolytic type of exercise, right. You're kind of getting into that typical like 10, 15 minute wads zone there. Like you're going to be using glycogen. You need to eat enough carbohydrate to support that. Um, and then, you know, fat can vary depending on the day. So a lot of people will go like a little bit higher fat on a rest day and a little bit lower carb. Um, and then just kind of switch it around. Mm -hmm. And then if you're just kind of eating for overall, you're just trying to be healthy and you do work out, but it's not your primary motivation to be performance driven. 
then sometimes I just recommend people just eat, just eat real food and don't worry about how many macros you're eating and like all this stuff, because it just, in the end, it kind of all comes out in the wash. Like it's, it averages out. So right, unless you're it, like really trying to, or you're just sitting there eating breadsticks. Yeah. So if she truly is performance driven, like she is like all about getting as strong as possible. She wants to be as good of a CrossFitter as possible. She's really competitive. I, you know, you definitely need to make sure your protein intake is, is up there because it's part of recovery and then also supplying enough carbohydrate for, for performance. And I think that's where paleo falls down for a lot of people Totally. and they're like, it just doesn't work for me. And I'm like, well, how many, you know, roughly how much carbohydrate were you eating? And they're like, well, I was doing six wads a week. And then some days I would lift and do a wad <laughs> and, and I'm eating like, you know, and my carbohydrates are kale and, <laughs> and right. a half a cup of blueberries. And I'm like, well, no kidding. Like, it's, right. You need to fuel yourself for that. So like carbohydrates are kale and Gatorade. No. Yeah. 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 So I, for somebody who's doing CrossFit and oh, this yeah. is where I think I really vary from a lot of other people is, you know, I really am pushing, make sure you're eating enough carbohydrate. And for some people that's going to look like white potatoes for some people that's going to look like some white rice post-workout for some mm-hmm. people that's just going to be an all around like higher carbohydrate right after you work out and possibly say for dinner. So making sure that she's getting enough of that carbohydrate is really important. Um, but unless you have, like, I kind of think unless you're really preparing for something that's a seasonal type of thing, like, all right, you're IFBB and you have a comp- you have a competition coming up or you're going into, say, regionals or whatever right. you're, you know, you have a CrossFit competition coming up. Like, I think that is kind of worth buckling down a bit and being a little bit specific Um, but if it's just like every single day, I don't really see the point of getting crazy with tracking and logging. And it's important to kind of know, you know, when you're starting out, like, you know, get a rough estimate, log your food for a few days and kind of just get the gist of it. Like if I'm eating a large chicken breast, I know that's going to supply, you know, enough protein for one meal. If you're eating half a chicken breast, well, you know, it's probably not enough. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I kind of encourage people to just track it for a couple days at the beginning, see if you're way under or way over, right? And then just kind of keep that visual in your mind as you go about your day. If you're finding that your performance is just not like you're super flat all the time, you're not sleeping well, you know, you're irritable, you're cranky, like <laughs> then it's time to kind of really take a look at what you're eating. But I think a lot of people get too much in their head about it. Totally. Um, and then it, it just creates a lot of stress um, around food. And stress around food is just as bad as any other kind of stress. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I like what you said, Steph, about um, I think a lot of people have that thing of needing to find the one answer. And I think you touched on a really important point of people needing to find their specific goal. So it's kind of the reverse of, okay, what do you, you're asking them a lot of questions to make sure they're clear about what their goal is. And then they need to kind of cater it to that as opposed to, you know, going out and finding the best answer that's going to yeah. be the magic pill or what have you. Yeah, there's not just one answer. And, and it's if I were to write a book, okay, let's just hypothesize if, or <laughs> just kind of put this out there. If I were to write a book and say the perfect way to get the perfect body for CrossFit and have perfect performance or CrossFit is to eat X, Y, Z, it's impossible. Like everyone is different. Everyone's life circumstance is different. Everybody's you know, input and output will be different. Right. And 
for me to just give, say, one breakdown of macros for everybody on earth is A, not possible, and B, even if I did, it would be completely, like, in my mind, unethical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Because I'm just putting this out there and saying, this is going to exactly work for you. And, you know, the reality is, is that's not true. So what I encourage people to do is, if you're like, like, let's say you're just starting out, you're going to try to pay attention to your food and you're working out, like take some before and after pictures. Um, if you, if you can maybe get your body fat tested, um, yeah, weigh yourself, kind of get an idea, but recognize that the scale is not always the most accurate way to tell what, how your body composition's changed. Start logging, for example, like if you're going to start doing a a post-workout meal, just kind of write it down in your, in your workout or your logbook, like, you know, I ate half a chicken breast and a sweet potato mm-hmm. and, and kind of keep that consistent for a couple weeks and, and log how you feel like felt like crap, felt yeah. sluggish or felt awesome, you know? And if you're, if your gym does benchmark workouts or, you know, you're in a squat cycle or something like that, track that and, and kind of, you have to try to put all the pieces together. So let's say a month goes by, you take new pictures of yourself, right? You weigh yourself again, you do your benchmark like one rep max squat and you look at everything, you compile this data on you and you're like, Hey, I look leaner in my pictures. My squat went up and you know, overall I'm just feeling good. Uh, you know, and, and this, and here's the key, like the scale maybe went up a couple of pounds, but you know, if you, if you put all that evidence together, that's really powerful and it's exactly about you. Yeah. And right? I think that's a good point too, to like, you have to establish a baseline. Like I think that one thing a lot of people um, who are, especially who are just trying to figure it out. Like the problem they kind of get stuck in is that they're trying something new every week. And so they don't even know what it, they, you know, have kind of lost touch with what it feels like just to have a baseline. And so they don't have anything to compare it off of. So like, you know, like you were saying, it's really helpful to just spend a week tracking your macros or tracking your, you know, keeping it even not even tracking your macros, just keeping a food journal. And then you can look back and say, oh, well, on the days that I, you know, the days that I had cereal for breakfast, I didn't feel as good as on the days I had eggs. But turns out that eating pizza doesn't, isn't that big of a deal for me or whatever it is. I remember reading this article. I want to say it was either in like Box Life or Tabata Times, one of those websites that was talking about this guy who had, um, it was like an advocating for keeping super, super detailed training journals. And that was the first time that I had really ever come across that concept of like tracking not just your workouts and your and like your times and weights, but what you're eating and how much you're drinking. And like in this example, he was like, you know, I found out that a gallon of water, um, I can drink, you know, if I drink a gallon of water, that's when I'm the like my performance is the most optimal. But if I drink more than that, then my performance starts to suffer. Or, you know, I found out that I can get between six to seven and a half hours of sleep and it's good if I get less than that or if I get more than that, then my performance starts to suffer. And it like really kind of put this light bulb on for me for like realizing how little I feel like I know about what my body needs and therefore like how can I how can I try to manipulate it if I don't even know what it needs at a baseline. Right. Yeah. <laughs> super, super important. And, and I think you touched on something that's really key and that's you know, we're all individual and the best, the best information you can get is by paying attention to your own, both qualitative and quantitative data, right? So like, you know, how you feel, like all this stuff is very subjective, but also numbers, you know, obviously 
um, your training information is very important, but if you can get your body fat tested and, and that tells a very powerful, like that paints a very powerful picture about what's working for you and what's not. Yeah. Totally. So, and it's, again, it's kind of like the long view. I mean, if you change something and, and three days later, nothing has happened, it takes time. Yeah. You know, so that was a very long answer to <laughs> no, a very simple great. question. <clears throat> Right, well, we have a couple a couple more questions. Um, I don't know if you can answer this one. I ask it anyway because sure. Sandy Sandy's one of our favorite listeners. We call her our podcast mom. She's our podcast oh, mom. She's coming hey, to town next weekend, yeah, isn't she? She'll be in town next weekend. Oh my gosh! Um, so she struggles a lot with her weight. She's post menopause, and so she says her doctors always say to eat less, but it's not working. She's super frustrated. Um, she says she's hundred percent paleo plus wine. Uh, how, how am I over, how am I over 30% body fat CrossFit? She CrossFits five times a week, does yoga two times mm. a week, hikes one day a weekend. And she says, I should feel and look amazing. Her doc says it's menopause too bad for you or make, <laughs> make peace with it, which is not possible. Um, when tucking all my belly fat in to do a forward bend. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you have <coughs> any advice for her. Yeah. Um, it sounds like she's kind of just struggling overall and checked with her doctor, but just, things aren't working. So, and I'm probably going to get booed for saying this, but my, in that scenario, my best recommendation, and this is based on, observation and physiology and just kind of paying attention to, to what's going on with people and looking at it from a larger view. My best recommendation is, is for someone like her to go on a strength training program only um, because and CrossFit's great. Don't get me wrong, but the kind of like stress response that we get from that is oftentimes counterproductive to fat loss. That makes it's sense. Best, especially as we get older. And I will attest to that. I'm 35. I don't recover the same I, I did when I was 20, when I was crossfitting. You know, to me, like the, the training was very stressful because I was doing it kind of with a competitive at a, on a competitive angle. But the the stress response we get from CrossFit is very high. And for people who are, you know, kind of like trying to balance their hormones out, and since she's postmenopausal or menopausal. Uh, for a lot of women, we kind of get into this mentality, like we need to actually work out more, do more high intensity training. And for someone like her, that's really trying to find some balance after this, you know, very significant biological right. kind of life change. Yeah. Um, for a lot of, a lot of women, especially the high intensity training is counterproductive to fat loss. Um, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. That yeah. I, I've read that before, so, actually. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. And I would really recommend for her to to check out Jason Sieb's writing and the stuff that he does. Um, you know, he's on Facebook and he's on he has a website and stuff. But Jason Sieb. How do you Sieb, spell his last name? S E I B. S E I B. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Jason Sieb writes a lot about fat loss and kind of like you know staying on a more paleo approach, but just how to approach that from a fitness perspective, because we talk a lot about diet, right? Right. Like, okay, what can you eat? Like, are you going to go lower carb, that sort of stuff? And for a lot of us, we're like, just exercise more, like just do more. And he talks a lot about, Hey, like let's remove some of that stress, like that stress response that we get from the high intensity training and focus more on strength training, which 
also we know is really important as we age, our muscle mass is a very potent like endocrine organ. And this is stuff that we're just starting to kind of understand. Um, I did a presentation with Stacey Toth at AHS about like women in strength training. And then there were some other really awesome presentations about strength training when we were there. And it's like, hey, we're just beginning to kind of understand the role of, of muscle mass as an endocrine organ and its implication in our metabolism. So, I mean, yeah, you're going to be doing some strength training at CrossFit, but a lot of it's going to be kind of that high rep, moderate weight sort of stuff. And right. if we really want to work all of our muscle fibers, you know, kind of like type 2A, 2B, 2X, that sort of stuff, we really need to lift heavy um, and include eccentric stuff. So like imagine, you know, squats are very eccentric because you have to lower yourself down, right? And then you're going to stand up. So that's the concentric part. So muscle mass as we age is super important. It's a really important indicator in longevity. And a lot of times we tend to focus a lot on fat mass, you know, um, we're like really fat kind of obsessed culture. Like you're either fat or you're skinny. And a lot of times we don't pay a lot of attention to muscle mass. So that's a long, a long way of saying, I would recommend something like go on a basic strength training program, you know, squat, deadlift, press, do a lot of walking. Um, that's another thing that, that Jason talks a lot about. Like that's going to get you into that kind of like aerobic, right? Just like cruising, burning fat kind of state and, uh, and lower your stress because if she's stressed about being menopausal, if she's stressed about, you know, life, she's stressed about what she's eating and then she's adding a lot of stressful training on top of that. Sometimes it can be counterproductive. That is a great answer. I think so too. I think that that I was not expecting such a like concrete amount of, and I I think she's going to totally love that. She's going to love that. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sorry. Like I love, I totally love CrossFit, but I, I have to say like including some intensity every once in a while, what you do can work, but for some people, it's just not the right Sure. For where well, they're and, at right now. Yeah. And also knowing Sandy, she has a very intense background. Like she was yeah. in the Navy. She yeah. was she's um, done everything. an Ironman triathlete. Yeah. Like she's huh? been all over the board. So that's a great. Yeah. Like that. Okay. So one more question from Kelsey. It's kind of a three-parter. Um, and Uh-oh. you actually kind of already answered the first one. And I think a lot of this, the answers will be in your upcoming book too. Yeah. But the first question she says, I think it would be nice to know where to start when it comes to figuring what your body needs to refuel and build on that muscle. But I think you kind of already, we already covered that. So yeah. her next question is quick breakfast ideas to prep eggs and bacon is too much time after a wad and before work. So it sounds okay. like she works out in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably my favorite, 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 like in a, if we're talking about breakfast, she just worked out. Protein is so important in the morning. It's super important because not only is she needing re- protein for recovery from her workout, but in the morning, protein is going to provide the amino acid substrate for us to really convert um, the the hormones in our body into melatonin. So basically taking serotonin and converting that to melatonin, um, we need tryptophan and some other stuff to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and melatonin is the hormone that puts us to sleep at night, right? So it's kind of a dual reason why protein in the morning is super important. So probably my favorite thing to do is, you know, for her, like, Pick one day a week where you can prep a lot of food. For a lot of people, that's the weekend when they're off of work. But I love scotch eggs. <laughs> so it's a hard-boiled egg, and then you wrap it in, like, meat. <laughs> so, 
so any kind of meat you want, you know, <coughs> pork, um, chicken, ground, grass-fed ground beef, whatever, you bake them in the oven. You usually mix some spices into the meat and then just put them in the fridge. And huh. like one scotch egg is super, it's super filling. It's a lot of protein. Yeah. It and, sounds like a little protein bomb. Yeah. yeah an, like an egg wrapped in meat. Yeah. And you can, <laughs> you can make say half a dozen at a time, or even if you're a big eater, a dozen and just keep those in the fridge and just grab that. Um, so something that's really, you know, protein packed. I like, mm-hmm. you know, like egg muffins again, kind of making them ahead of time. And since she's super busy, I would say for her, Making stuff ahead of time is going to be the key to really sticking to it. Yeah, totally. Um, um, yeah, I mean, you can. There's other stuff like chia pudding, and I don't find that stuff is really has enough protein in it. It tends to be a lot of fat, and obviously, fat's really important. And I'm not going to downplay the importance of fat, but again, since she's training in the morning, and basically her first meal is her recovery meal. Yeah, get, it's not necessarily when you need a really high fat. Getting meal. enough. Yeah, get it. Yeah, exactly. So getting that protein in is going to be. Key. And then, you know, stuff that's unconventional, like one of our favorite things to do, um, my husband's sensitive to eggs, so we can't really do a lot of eggs for him, but we'll throw, say, meat in a in the slow cooker overnight mm-hmm. um, on low, and when we wake up, it's cooked. So, like, a lot of shredded pork and stuff yeah. like that. Super convenient. And kind of getting away from this mentality of, like, breakfast just has to be breakfast food, you know, like eggs and bacon. It totally. can be up anything else that you want. Yeah, we do right? chili for breakfast in the winter yeah. all the time. It's so good. That's like a great one too. Warm little breakfast hug. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I've, I'm a huge believer in, in slow cookers as kind of if you're busy, that is one of the things that can really and help you. Awesome because you wake up in the morning and your house just smells, smells awesome. Smells so good. Yeah. I've actually been woken up in the middle of the night by my slow cooker being like, oh my gosh. I can't. It's like Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait to wake so up. I'm so hungry. Yeah. It's like three in the morning and all of a sudden I'm just super hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really small house, so that, that's kind of a problem. But um, anyway, she has one more quick question. She goes, she says, um, oh, and discussion about first competition prep. She has a team competition in February. But do you, is that something you go over in your book? I talk a lot about competition prep in the paleo athlete. So okay, okay. not not the food cookbook that's coming out, but the other one, I actually have a whole chapter about competition and I actually lay out kind of a checklist from about four weeks out until day of about, oh, cool. yeah, about things to, to think about, like how to get prepared. And some of it seems kind of like, duh, but right. <laughs> it's some, for people that are new or even experienced people, it's sometimes things that we forget about. So for if you're traveling to your competition, like if it's far away, like scoping out the food scene beforehand, like figuring out what you're going to take. If you're traveling with other people, like who's going to bring the cooler, like right. so stuff like that. You don't get there and realize that the only thing in this town is a Denny's. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> You know, other things like a lot of people assume that when they go to a competition, there's going to be food there, like food vendors, and uh-huh. that doesn't always happen. Um, you know, things like running through your nutrition strategy at least a week ahead of time, seeing how that goes. And so I have a, it's a huge long list of stuff to, uh, to think about before you compete. Cool. Yeah. So they can find all of that information on stupideasypaleo.com. Yep. And you can download the book right from your website, correct? You can. Um, You can also get it formatted specifically for Kindle through Amazon. Oh, nice. uh, Or for specifically formatted for iBooks um, through iTunes. Sweet. You also have amazing hashtag Quadzilla shirts that I need to get one on. Yeah. (laughs) Those are awesome. We 
we ran out, like we sold out of all of our women's stuff super quick. So we're actually at this morning, I sat down and I started to compile my spreadsheet and we're going to be, uh, we're going to be putting in a new order for the fall, probably next month or so is when we'll have everything up, but nice. we're going to do some uh, women's teas because it's getting into cooler months. Um, probably still have some tanks as well. Um, and a couple new designs. So cool. And Quadzilla because everybody loves Quadzilla. I mean, yeah. honestly. <laughs> I have a quick question, Steph, about supplements. Is there anywhere yeah. on your website or in your books that you cover supplements? I cover supplements in the Paleo Athlete. Okay. And I've written about supplements a little bit on my site. So, for example, uh, I have an article that's pretty popular called Is Whey Protein Paleo? Yeah, you know, I saw stuff that. Stuff like that where I kind of go over those topics. Um, and, and, you know, everybody, I think, assumes that I'm going to say no supplements are paleo. But if you're a performance-driven individual, you're beating the absolute crap out of yourself, mm -hmm. right? You're expecting these things of your body that are really kind of superhuman. You're doing really punishing training. Like, recovery is really important. I think for some people, the right supplements are a smart thing to do. Totally. And you know, a lot of people are curious about whey protein and, you know, what's the deal with that? Yeah, technically it's from a dairy product. A lot of people tolerate it well. It's a good post-workout protein. I don't recommend it for everyone, but if you are absolutely like, I need convenience as kind of the first criteria for my post-workout food, I'm like, hey, if you tolerate it, it's affordable, it does the job, you know, see how it see how you respond to that sort of yeah. stuff. And, and I really get kind of annoyed when people are like, but that's not paleo. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> I also don't think that doing, you know, seven days a week of super high intensity is super paleo either. But, yeah. you know, if that's your goal and you want performance, you have to make some modifications. And I think <clears throat> that's kind of like paleo in general needs to evolve to be accepting of the fact that there are going to be multiple different ways to do this to suit what your needs are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. we, we've talked to Julie Bauer from Paleo MG before, and she, we, we've talked about that frustration of people constantly commenting of, is that paleo? Oh my gosh. You're like, you're not a paleo yeah. blogger. You're That's not, not paleo. You're not a pure, pure paleo person. Well, you know, it's hard. I think probably if you think back to say 2008, maybe yeah. uh, when stuff really started to kind of come on board with paleo, like there was really only one, discussion about how paleo is and for a lot of people when they're starting out they're like just give me a yes list and a no list yeah right because you you're like I'm going to switch up the way I'm eating probably very drastically and for a lot of people that yes and no list is a very good way to start because it's very black and white mm -hmm. but you know if you're going to make this a lifestyle and not just a quick you know do this for a month for a challenge sort of thing you need to find out how to adapt it to your life. And for some people, that's going to mean like you're going to end up, you know, maybe you're going to do a Whole30 and figure out, hey, am I actually really sensitive to dairy or, you know, what's the deal with that or, you know, different foods that may be affecting you. I think it's really important to do that as well as like do an elimination protocol. I don't care which one it is and what you call it, but get some real-time data about what mm -hmm. you do well with and what you don't. And then make some modifications and know where you have some leeway and where you don't because that's like that's real life. I mean, well, real life. Again, I, I think it totally goes back to like what you were talking about, even just with training, with being specific about what your goal is. Yeah. Like if your goal is to be completely, you know, a like paleo purist, 
then your meals are going to look a lot different than if your goal is to eat in a way that supports your performance or eat in a way that supports, you know, an autoimmune disease or eat in a way that supports, you know, whatever it is. It's it's so true. And I think that's the, I think that's the discussion that the paleo community is having more and more these days is like, Hey, like we know that for some people, X, Y, Z foods are, are extra, you know, hard on their system or Mm -hmm. extra inflammatory. And for some people, they just don't quite have that response. And, you know, you, I just, I wish we would be like, I wish new people would kind of come in with that understanding as like, at first, a yes to no list is probably a good way to wrap your head around how to do this. And then mm-hmm. over time, things might change. And I get a lot of like, let's call them strong comments on my blog sometimes. <laughs> um, I've had a couple, you know, I have a couple places where I talk about white rice. However, I do talk about who it's really appropriate for and who it's not and what the deal is. And like, hey, just FYI, it's mm-hmm. not really nutrient dense. Um, same with white potatoes, but I, and whey protein and the foods that are kind of gray area foods. Um, and I have a lot of people that just get super in a huff and they're like, that's not paleo. And I'm like, let's understand the rationale behind this before we jump the shark and kind of just go off the deep end. Um, and, and I think that we're having more of those discussions as time goes on, but you know, we have to understand that this is a movement that's evolving all the time. And, uh, and you as a person will evolve too over your lifetime. You know, the, the, the things that are important to you, the uh, issues that you may be dealing with physically and psychologically and, you know, your goals and, and all this stuff. And so if you really want the foundation of your diet to be like, hey, I'm eating a real food, nutrient-dense diet, then that may, that may change over your lifetime, you know, exactly what foods you avoid and indulge in and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's what sets you apart from a lot of the paleo bloggers is I, I see you really um, treating everyone as an individual instead of like, this is really what's going to work for everyone. And you recognize that. And then you get, you probably get some negative comments for it, but you know, you, <laughs> from that away. science background, I think that's really important. And I think it's working for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, being dogmatic about stuff is really just a way to turn people off and, you know, make it so that we're not going to stick to things long term. Um, you know, and I'm not going to lie and say like, Hey, you're, you can eat or you should eat desserts all the time. And that's going to get you to your goals or like you should, um, (laughs) you know, like just who cares what the quality of your food is, as long as you're hitting your macros, like that's all that matters. And I'm like, I actually disagree with, with that sort of stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I think food quality and nutrient density and like really getting good micronutrition is, is very important to long-term health. Um, you know, and, and so those are some things that are kind of at the foundation of what I do, but I think there's a lot of other stuff that people write off as just like, that's not paleo. Right. So yeah, that's kind of my, that's kind of my philosophy. Kind of your, your manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> I actually but, should go back and rewrite that. Yeah. <laughs> Claire and I always talk about that too, because we'll get comments of, you know, it, being strict CrossFit or should I, I don't know. It's just, there's, there's this mentality of straying from CrossFit or straying from paleo. And we always say, Hey, we have a lot of people who listen to our podcast who don't do CrossFit and they are just, they just like us because we are silly. And we talk about mean girls all the time, but, <laughs> yeah. 
But, you know, I think what it comes down to is being healthy. And I think that's what you're coming from too is, you know, hey, paleo got me into a really healthy lifestyle. I feel really good. Um, I'm following it in a way that works for me. And I'm going to, there, there's a million foods in this lifetime. I'm not going to yeah. just eliminate A, B, and C because it's not quote unquote paleo. Um, so, you know, Claire and I always talk about the same with fitness, you know, however your journey gets you to a point of yeah. being healthy, that's what really matters. Yeah. And I think it's important to reassess that on a fairly regular basis Yeah, um, and see, you know, and that's one of the reasons I moved away from CrossFit is. I realized that being a self-employed individual with a new business and a lot of life change, um, for me, like doing the competitive CrossFit stuff wasn't conducive to, to me being overall kind of just healthy, mm -hmm. um, because it, it was a, a, a huge investment in time, not only time, but, um, it was really stressful and, and I, I chose it and it was great. And I, you know, being out at regionals and like being on the competition floor was this kind of just fulfillment of everything I, I wanted to do. And it was amazing. But I realized that continuing that sort of stuff and having other goals in my life, like working for myself and developing my business and moving to a new country for four months and writing and stuff, <laughs> like I realized those goals didn't quite support one another. Mm -hmm. So I, all I did was just you know, switch to Olympic lifting, which was really the part of CrossFit that I liked the best. Right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for me, the training stress is a lot less and the training volume is less. And so I feel like, Hey, I'm still able to be athletic and be active and do what I do. But I realized that for, for that period of my life and where I'm at right now, it, it wasn't the best fit. And I still, you know, I'm in that community. I still have friends in that community. I train in a CrossFit facility that has a weightlifting team. And, you know, it's, it's awesome. And I think it's important for people to kind of evaluate that stuff too, is like, you don't have to be beholden to one thing. And it doesn't mean you're a traitor if you give up or right. you decide to do something new. But um, if you realize it's not going to really support what, what else is going on in your, in your life, because I'm like, hey, I know I'm not going to be I'm not going to win the CrossFit Games. Like, I'm 35. I have to treat myself a little bit differently than I did when I was 20. Right. Um, and for me, at that moment in my life, it was just the right choice to make. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. well we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much. This has been just amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm really enlightened, and um, I'm like, and I love her even more now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and are you still doing seminars in SoCal if people want to reach out to you? I am. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty much just sticking to SoCal for now, just because I don't have the real infrastructure on my site to handle dealing with like very distant conferences and seminars. Yeah. I actually did one earlier. Uh, well, actually last week or the week before we were visiting my family in Western Mass. So I did one while I was back um, and that sort of stuff. So sometimes I try to tie it in, but if, uh, you know, if somebody is like, hey, I can get like 50 or 100 people to come out, I mean, let's talk. <laughs> let's yeah. see what we can do. But yeah, um, I do seminars and I can tailor them to, and I have tailored them to more athletes or people who want kind of performance or just general nutrition. And it, it just kind of depends. So I'm really flexible with that stuff. Cool. Well, yeah. stupideasypaleo.com. She's on Instagram, Twitter, Vimeo. You have over 150 videos on, on Vimeo as well. Um, Pinterest, you're just all over the place. And then I'm, all, I'm everywhere, yeah. And then your book, <laughs> your book is in January, your new book. And then your 
you have, I mean, a million articles too on your website. So endless information from Steph. Go check her out. Yeah. Good drill. Good drill. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Full circle. All right. Well, thank you so much, Steph. And um, yeah. We'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.